Part 1 of Prescription Against Heretics by Tertullian, read by David Ronald. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The character of the times in which we live is such as to call forth from us even this admonition that we ought not to be astonished at the heresies which abound, neither ought their existence to surprise us, for it was foretold that they should come to pass, nor the fact that they subvert the faith of some, for their final cause is, by affording a trial to faith, to give it also the opportunity of being approved. Groundless, therefore, and inconsiderate, is the offence of the many who are scandalized by the very fact that heresies prevail to such a degree. How great might their offence have been if they had not existed! When it has been determined that a thing must by all means be, it receives the final cause for which it has its being. This secures the power through which it exists in such a way that it is impossible for it not to have existence. Taking the similar case of fever, which is appointed a place amongst all other deathly and excruciating issues of life for destroying man, we are not surprised either that it exists, for there it is, or that it consumes man, for that is the purpose of its existence. In like manner, with respect to heresies, which are produced for the weakening and the extinction of faith, since we feel a dread because they have this power, we should first dread the fact of their existence, for as long as they exist, they have their power, and as long as they have their power, they have their existence. But still, fever, as being an evil both in its cause and in its power, as all know, we rather loathe than wonder at and to the best of our power guard against not having its extirpation in our power some men prefer wondering at heresies however which bring with them eternal death and the heat of a stronger fire for possessing this power instead of avoiding their power when they have the means of escape but heresies would have no power if men would cease to wonder that they have such power for it either happens that while men wonder they fall into a snare or because they are ensnared they cherish their surprise as if heresies were so powerful because of some truth which belonged to them it would no doubt be a wonderful thing that evil should have any force of its own were it not that heresies are strong in those persons who are not strong in faith in a combat of boxers and gladiators generally speaking it is not because a man is strong that he gains the victory or loses it because he is not strong but because he who is vanquished was a man of no strength and indeed this very conqueror when afterwards matched against a really powerful man actually retires crestfallen from the contest in precisely the same way heresies derive such strength as they have from the infirmities of individuals having no strength whenever they encounter a really powerful faith it is usual indeed with persons of a weaker character to be so built up in confidence by certain individuals who are caught by heresy as to topple over into ruin themselves how comes it to pass they ask that this woman or that man who are the most faithful the most prudent and the most approved in the church have gone over to the other side who that asks such a question does not in fact reply to it himself 
to the effect that men whom heresies have been able to pervert ought never to have been esteemed prudent or faithful or approved this again is i suppose an extraordinary thing that one who has been approved should afterwards fall back saul who was good beyond all others is afterwards subverted by envy david a good man after the lord's own heart is guilty afterwards of murder and adultery solomon endowed by the lord with all grace and wisdom is led into idolatry by women for to the son of god alone was it reserved to persevere to the last without sin but what if a bishop if a deacon if a widow if a virgin if a doctor if even a martyr have fallen from the rule of faith will heresies on that account appear to possess the truth do we prove the faith by the persons or the persons by the faith no one is wise no one is faithful no one excels in dignity but the christian and no one is a christian but he who perseveres even to the end you as a man know any other man from the outside appearance you think as you see and you see as far only as you have eyes but says the scripture the eyes of the lord are lofty man looketh at the outward appearance but god looketh at the heart the lord beholdeth and knoweth them that are his and the plant which my heavenly father hath not planted he rooted up and the first shall as he shows be last and he carries his fan in his hand to purge his threshing floor let the chaff of a fickle faith fly off as much as it will at every blast of temptation all the pure will be that heap of corn which shall be laid up in the garner of the lord did not certain of the disciples turn back from the lord himself when they were offended yet the rest did not therefore think that they must turn away from following him but because they knew that he was the word of life and was come from god they continued in his company to the very last after he had gently inquired of them whether they would also go astray it is a comparatively small thing that certain men like phygelus and hermogenes and philetus and hymenaeus deserted his apostle the betrayer of christ was himself one of the apostles we are surprised at seeing his churches forsaken by some men although the things which we suffer after the example of christ himself show us to be christians they went out from us says st john but they were not of us if they had been of us they would no doubt have continued with us but let us rather be mindful of the sayings of the lord and the letters of the apostles for they have both told us beforehand that there shall be heresies and have given us in anticipation warnings to avoid them and inasmuch as we are not alarmed because they exist so we ought not to wonder that they are capable of doing that on account of which they must be shunned the lord teaches us that many ravening wolves shall come in sheep's clothing now what are these sheep's clothings but the external surface of the christian profession who are the ravening wolves but those deceitful senses and spirits which are lurking within to waste the flock of christ who are the false prophets but deceptive predictors of the future who are the false apostles but the preachers of a spurious gospel who are the antichrists both now and evermore but the men who rebel against christ heresies at the present time will no less run the church by their perversion of doctrine than will the antichrist persecute her at that day by the cruelty of his attacks except that persecution makes even martyrs but heresy only apostates and therefore heresies must needs be in order that they which are approved might be made manifest 
but those who remained steadfast under persecution and those who did not wander out of their way into heresy for the apostle does not mean that those persons should be deemed approved who exchange their creed for heresy although they contrariously interpret his words to their own side when he says in another passage prove all things hold fast that which is good as if after proving all things amiss one might not through error make a determined choice of some evil thing moreover when he blames dissensions and schisms which undoubtedly are evils he immediately adds heresies likewise now that which he subjoins to evil things he of course confesses to be itself an evil and all the greater indeed because he tells us that his belief of their schisms and dissensions was grounded on his knowledge that there must be heresies also for he shows us that it was owing to the prospect of the greater evil that he readily believed the existence of the lighter ones and so far indeed was he from believing in respect of evils of such a kind that heresies were good that his object was to forewarn us that we ought not to be surprised at temptations of even a worse stamp since he said they tended to make manifest all such as were approved in other words those whom they were unable to pervert in short since the whole passage points to the maintenance of unity and the checking of divisions inasmuch as heresies sever men from unity no less than schisms and dissensions no doubt he classes heresies under the same head of censure as he does schisms and also dissensions and by so doing he makes those to be not approved who have fallen into heresies more especially when with reproofs he exhorts men to turn away from such teaching them that they should all speak and think the selfsame thing the very object which heresies do not permit on this point however we dwell no longer since it is the same paul who in his epistle to the galatians counts heresies among the sins of the flesh who also intimates to titus that a man who is a heretic must be rejected after the first admonition on the ground that he that is such is perverted and committeth sin as a self-condemned man indeed in almost every epistle when enjoining on us the duty of avoiding false doctrines he sharply condemns heresies of these the practical effects are false doctrines called in greek heresies a word used in the same sense of that choice which a man makes when he either teaches them to others or takes up with them for himself for this reason it is that he calls the heretic self-condemned because he has himself chosen that for which he is condemned we however are not permitted to cherish any object after our own will not yet to make choice of that which another has introduced of his private fancy in the lord's apostles we possess our authority for even they did not of themselves choose to introduce anything but faithfully delivered to the nations of mankind the doctrine which they had received from christ if therefore even an angel from heaven should preach any other gospel than theirs he would be called accursed by us the holy ghost had even then foreseen that there would be in a certain virgin called philomene an angel of deceit transformed into an angel of light by whose miracles and illusions apelles was led when he introduced his new heresy 
These are the doctrines of men and of demons, produced for itching ears of the spirit of this world's wisdom. This the Lord called foolishness, and chose the foolish things of the world to confound even philosophy itself. For philosophy it is, which is the material of the world's wisdom, the rash interpreter of the nature and the dispensation of God. Indeed, heresies are themselves instigated by philosophy. From this source came the aeons, and I know not what infinite forms, and the trinity of man in the system of Valentinus, who was of Plato's school. From the same source came Marcion's better God, with all his tranquillity. He came of the Stoics. Then, again, the opinion that the soul dies is held by the Epicureans, while the denial of the restoration of the body is taken from the aggregate school of all the philosophers. Also, when matter is made equal to God, then you have the teaching of Zeno, and when any doctrine is alleged touching a god of fire, then Heraclitus comes in. The same subject matter is discussed over and over again by the heretics and the philosophers. The same arguments are involved. Whence comes evil? Why is it permitted? What is the origin of man? And in what way does he come? Besides the question, which Valentinus has very lately proposed, whence comes God? Which he settles with the answer from Enthymesis and Ectroma. Unhappy Aristotle, who invented for these men dialectics, the art of building up and pulling down, an art so evasive in its propositions, so far-fetched in its conjectures, so harsh in its arguments, so productive of contentions, embarrassing even to itself, retracting everything, and really treating of nothing. Whence spring those fables and endless genealogies, and unprofitable questions, and words which spread like a cancer from all these when the apostle would restrain us he expressly names philosophy as that which he would have us be on our guard against writing to the colossians he says see that no one beguile you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and contrary to the wisdom of the holy ghost he had been at athens and had in his interviews with its philosophers become acquainted with that human wisdom which pretends to know the truth whilst it only corrupts it and is itself divided into its own manifold heresies by the variety of its mutually repugnant sects what indeed has athens to do with jerusalem what concord is there between the academy and the church what between heretics and christians our instruction comes from the porch of solomon who had himself taught that the lord should be sought in simplicity of heart away with all attempts to produce a modelled christianity of stoic platonic and dialectic composition we want no curious disputation after possessing christ jesus no inquisition after enjoying the gospel with our faith we desire no further belief for this is our palmary faith that there is nothing which we ought to believe besides I come now to the point which is urged both by our own brethren and by the heretics. Our brethren adduce it as a pretext for entering on curious inquiries, and the heretics insist on it for importing the scrupulosity of their unbelief. It is written, they say, Seek, and ye shall find. Let us remember at what time the Lord said this. I think it was at the very outset of his teaching, when there was still a doubt felt by all whether he were the christ 
and when even peter had not yet declared him to be the son of god and john baptist had actually ceased to feel assurance about him with good reason therefore was it then said seek and ye shall find when inquiry was still be to made of him who was not yet become known besides this was said in respect of the jews for it is to them that the whole matter of this reproof pertains seeing that they had a revelation where they might seek christ they have says he moses and elias in other words the law and the prophets which preach christ as also in another place he says plainly search the scriptures in which ye expect to find salvation for they testify of me which will be the meaning of seek and ye shall find for it is clear that the next words also apply to the jews knock and it shall be opened unto you the jews had formerly been in covenant with god but being afterwards cast off on account of their sins they began to be without god the gentiles on the contrary had never been in covenant with god they were only as a drop from a bucket and as dust from the threshing floor and were ever outside the door now how shall he who has always outside knock at the place where he never was what door does he know of when he has passed through none either by entrance or ejection is it not rather he who is aware that he once lived within and was thrust out that probably found the door and knocked thereat in like manner ask and ye shall receive is suitably said to one who is aware from whom he ought to ask by whom also some promise had been given that is to say the god of abraham of isaac and of jacob now the gentiles knew nothing either of him or of any of his promises therefore it was to israel that he spake when he said i am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of israel not yet had he cast to the dogs the children's bread not yet did he charge them too go into the way of the gentiles it is only at the last that he instructs them to go and teach all nations and baptize them when they were so soon to receive the holy ghost the comforter who should guide them into all truth and this too makes towards the same conclusion if the apostles who were ordained to be teachers to the gentiles were themselves to have the comforter for their teacher far more needless was it to say to us seek and ye shall find to whom was to come without research our instruction by the apostles and to the apostles themselves by the holy ghost all the lord's sayings indeed are set forth for all men through the ears of the jews have they passed unto us still most of them were addressed to jewish persons they therefore did not constitute instruction properly designed for ourselves but rather an example i now purposely relinquish this ground of argument let it be granted that the words seek and ye shall find were addressed to all men equally yet even here one's aim is carefully to determine the sense of the words consistently with that reason which is the guiding principle in all interpretation now no divine saying is so unconnected and diffuse that its words only are to be insisted on and their connection left undetermined but at the outset i lay down this position that there is some one and therefore definite thing taught by christ which the gentiles are by all means bound to believe and for that purpose to seek 
in order that they may be able, when they have found it, to believe. However, there can be no indefinite seeking for that which has been taught as one only definite thing. You must seek until you find and believe when you have found, nor have you anything further to do but to keep what you have believed, provided you believe this besides, that nothing else is to be believed, and therefore nothing else is to be sought. After you have found and believed what has been taught by him who charges you to seek no other thing than that which he has taught, when, indeed, any man doubts about this, proof will be forthcoming that we have in our possession that which was taught by Christ. Meanwhile, such is my confidence in our proof that I anticipate it in the shape of an admonition to certain persons not to seek anything beyond what they have believed, that this is what they ought to have sought, how to avoid interpreting, seek and ye shall find, without regard to the rule of reason. Now the reason of this saying is comprised in three points, in the matter, in the time, in the limit. In the matter, so that you must consider what it is you have to seek, in the time when you have to seek, in the limit how long. What you have to seek, then, is that which Christ has taught, and you must go on seeking, of course, for such time as you fail to find, until, indeed, you find it. But you have succeeded in finding when you have believed, for you would not have believed if you had not found, as neither would you have sought except with a view to find. Your object, therefore, in seeking was to find, and your object in finding was to believe. All further delay for seeking and finding you have prevented by believing. The very fruit of your seeking has determined for you this limit. This boundary has he set for you himself, who is unwilling that you should believe anything else than what he has taught, or, therefore, even seek for it. If, however, because so many other things have been taught by one and another, we are on that account bound to go on seeking, so long as we are able to find anything, we must, at that rate, be ever seeking and never believe anything at all. For where shall be the end of seeking? Where the stop in believing, where the completion in finding, shall it be with Marcion? But even Valentinus proposes to us the maxim, Seek, and ye shall find. Then shall it be with Valentinus? Well, but Apelles too, will assail me with the same quotation. Hebion also, and Simon, and all in turn, have no other argument wherewithal to entice me, and draw me over to their side. Thus I shall be nowhere, and still be encountering that challenge, seek, and ye shall find, precisely as if I had no resting place, as if, indeed, I had never found that which Christ has taught, that which ought to be sought, that which must needs be believed. There is impunity in erring, if there is no delinquency, although, indeed, to err, it is itself an act of delinquency. With impunity, I repeat, does a man ramble, when he purposely deserts nothing. But yet, if I have believed 
what I was bound to believe, and then afterwards think that there is something new to be sought after, I of course expect that there is something else to be found, although I should by no means entertain such expectation, unless it were because I either had not believed, although I apparently had become a believer, or else have ceased to believe. If I thus desert my faith, I am found to be a denier thereof. Once for all, I would say, no man seeks except him who either never possessed or else has lost what he sought. The old woman in the gospel had lost one of her ten pieces of silver, and therefore she sought it. When, however, she found it, she ceased to look for it. The neighbor was without bread, and therefore he knocked. But as soon as the door was opened to him, and he received the bread, he discontinued knocking. The widow kept asking to be heard by the judge, because she was not admitted. But when her suit was heard, thenceforth she was silent. So that there is a limit both to seeking, and to knocking, and to asking. For to every one that asketh, says he, it shall be given, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened, and by him that seeketh, it shall be found. Away with the man who is ever seeking, because he never finds, for he seeks there where nothing can be found. Away with him who is always knocking, because it will never be opened to him, for he knocks where there is none to open. Away with him who is always asking, because he will never be heard, for he asks of one who does not hear. As for us, although we must still seek, and that always, yet where ought our search to be made? Amongst the heretics, where all things are foreign and opposed to our own verity, and to whom we are forbidden to draw near? What slave looks for food from a stranger, not to say an enemy of his master? What soldier expects to get bounty and pay from kings who are unallied, I might almost say hostile, unless forsooth he be a deserter, and a runaway, and a rebel? Even that old woman searched for the piece of silver within her own house. It was also at his neighbor's door that the persevering assailant kept knocking. Nor was it to a hostile judge, although a severe one, that the widow made her appeal. No man gets instruction from that which tends to destruction. No man receives illumination from a quarter where all is darkness. Let our seeking, therefore, be in that which is our own, and from those who are our own, and concerning that which is our own, that and only that which can become an object of inquiry without impairing the rule of faith. Now, with regard to this rule of faith, that we may from this point acknowledge what it is which we defend. It is, you must know, that which prescribes the belief that there is one only God, and that he is none other than the creator of the world, who produced all things out of nothing through his own word, first of all sent forth that this word is called his son, and under the name of God was seen in diverse manners by the patriarchs, heard at all times in the prophets, at last brought down by the spirit and power of the father into the virgin mary was made flesh in her womb and being born of her went forth as jesus christ 
thenceforth he preached the new law and the new promise of the kingdom of heaven worked miracles having been crucified he rose again the third day then having ascended into the heavens he sat at the right hand of the father sent instead of himself the power of the holy ghost to lead such as believe will come with glory to take the saints to the enjoyment of everlasting life of the heavenly promises and to condemn the wicked to everlasting fire after the resurrection of both these classes shall have happened together with the restoration of their flesh this rule as it will be proved was taught by christ and raises amongst ourselves no other questions than those which heresies introduce and which make men heretics long however as its form exists in its proper order you may seek and discuss as much as you please and give full rein to your curiosity in whatever seems to you to hang in doubt or to be shrouded in obscurity you have at hand no doubt some learned brother gifted with the grace of knowledge some one of the experienced class some one of your close acquaintance who is curious like yourself although with yourself a seeker he will after all be quite aware that it is better for you to remain in ignorance lest you should come to know what you ought not because you have acquired the knowledge of what you ought to know thy faith he says hath saved thee not observe your skill in the scriptures now faith has been deposited in the rule it has a law and in the observance thereof salvation skill however consists in curious art having for its glory simply the readiness that comes from knack let such curious art give place to faith let such glory yield to salvation at any rate let them either relinquish their nosiness or else be quiet to know nothing in opposition to the rule of faith is to know all things suppose that heretics were not enemies to the truth so that we were not forewarned to avoid them what sort of conduct would it be to agree with men who do themselves confess that they are still seeking for if they are still seeking they have not as yet found anything amounting to certainty and therefore whatever they seem for a while to hold they betray their own scepticism whilst they continue seeking you therefore who seek after their fashion looking to those who are themselves ever seeking a doubter to doubters a waverer to waverers must needs be led blindly by the blind down into the ditch but when for the sake of deceiving us they pretend that they are still seeking in order that they may palm their essays upon us by the suggestion of an anxious sympathy when in short after gaining an access to us they proceed at once to insist on the necessity of our inquiring into such points as they were in the habit of advancing then it is high time for us in moral obligation to repel them so that they may know that it is not christ but themselves whom we disavow for since they are still seekers they have no fixed tenants yet and being not fixed in tenant they have not yet believed and being not yet believers they are not christians but even though they have their tenets and their belief they still say that inquiry is necessary in order to discussion previous however to the discussion they deny what they confess not yet to have believed so long as they keep it an object of inquiry when men therefore are not christians even on their own admission how much more do they fail to appear such to us what sort of truth is that which they patronize when they commend it to us with a lie well 
but they actually treat of the scriptures and recommend their opinions out of the scriptures to be sure they do from what other source could they derive arguments concerning the things of faith except from the records of the faith we are therefore come to the gist of our position for at this point we were aiming and for this we were preparing in the preamble of our address which we have just completed so that we may now join issue on the contention to which our adversaries challenge us they put forward the scriptures and by this insolence of theirs they at once influence some the encounter itself however they weary the strong they catch the weak and dismiss waverers with a doubt accordingly we oppose to them this step above all others of not admitting them to any discussion of the scriptures if in these lie their resources before they can use them it ought to be clearly seen to whom belongs the possession of the scriptures that none may be admitted to the use thereof who has no title at all to the privilege i might be thought to have laid down this position to remedy distrust in my case or from a desire of entering on the contest in some other way were there not reasons on my side especially this that our faith owes deference to the apostle who forbids us to enter on questions or to lend our ears to new-fangled statements or to consort with the heretic after the first and second admonition not be it observed after discussion discussion he has inhibited in this way by designating admonition as the purpose of dealing with the heretic and the first one too because he is not a christian in order that he might not after the manner of a christian seem to require correction again and again and before two or three witnesses seeing that he ought to be corrected for the very reason that he is not to be disputed with and in the next place because a controversy over the scriptures can clearly produce no other effect than help to upset either the stomach or the brain now this heresy of yours does not receive certain scriptures and whichever of them it does receive it perverts by means of additions and diminutions for the accomplishment of its own purpose and such as it does receive it receives not in their entirety but even when it does receive any up to a certain point as entire it nevertheless perverts even these by the contrivance of diverse interpretations truth is just as much opposed by the adulteration of its meaning as it is by a corruption of its text their vain presumptions must needs refuse to acknowledge the writings whereby they are refuted they rely on those which they have falsely put together and which they have selected because of their ambiguity though most skilled in the scriptures you will make no progress when everything which you maintain is denied on the other side and whatever you deny by them is maintained as for yourself indeed you will lose nothing but your breath and gain nothing but vexation from their blasphemy but with respect to the man for whose sake you enter on the discussion of the scriptures with the view of strengthening him when afflicted with doubts let me ask will it be to the truth or rather to heretical opinions that he will lean influenced by the very fact that he sees you have made no progress whilst the other side is on an equal footing with yourself in denying and in defence or at any rate on a like standing he will go away confirmed in his uncertainty by the discussion not knowing which side to adjudge heretical for no doubt 
they too are able to retort these things on us it is indeed a necessary consequence that they should go so far as to say that adulterations of the scriptures and false expositions thereof are rather introduced by ourselves inasmuch as they no less than we maintain that truth is on their side our appeal therefore must not be made to the scriptures nor must controversy be admitted on points in which victory will either be impossible or uncertain or not certain enough but even if a discussion from the scriptures should not turn out in such a way as to place both sides on a par yet the natural order of things would require that this point should be first proposed which is now the only one which we must discuss with whom lies that very faith to the scriptures belong from what and through whom and when and to whom has been handed down that rule by which men become christians for wherever it shall be manifest that the true christian rule and faith shall be there will likewise be the true scriptures and the expositions thereof and all the christian traditions christ jesus our lord may bear with me a moment in thus expressing myself whosoever he is of what god soever he is the son of what substance soever he is man and god of what faith soever he is the teacher of what reward soever he is the promiser did whilst he lived on earth himself declare what he was what he had been what the father's will was which he was administering what the duty of man was which he was prescribing and this declaration he made either openly to the people or privately to his disciples of whom he had chosen the twelve chief ones to be at his side and whom he destined to be the teachers of the nations accordingly after one of these had been struck off he commanded the eleven others on his departure to the father to go and teach all nations who were to be baptized into the father and into the son and into the holy ghost immediately therefore so did the apostles whom this designation indicates as the sent having on the authority of a prophecy which occurs in a psalm of david chosen matthias by lot as the twelfth into the place of judas they obtained the promised power of the holy ghost for the gift of miracles and of utterance and after first bearing witness to the faith in jesus christ throughout judea and founding churches there they next went forth into the world and preached the same doctrine of the same faith to the nations they then in like manner founded churches in every city from which all the other churches one after another derived the tradition of the faith and the seeds of doctrine and are every day deriving them that they may become churches indeed it is on this account only that they will be able to deem themselves apostolic as being the offspring of apostolic churches every sort of thing must necessarily revert to its original for its classification therefore the churches although they are so many and so great comprise but the one primitive church founded by the apostles from which they all spring in this way all are primitive and all are apostolic whilst they are all proved to be one unbroken unity by their peaceful communion and title of brotherhood and bond of hospitality privileges which no other rule directs than the one tradition of the self-same mystery from this therefore do we draw up our rule since the lord jesus christ sent the apostles to preach 
our rule is that no others ought to be received as preachers than those whom christ appointed for no man knoweth the father save the son and he to whomsoever the son will reveal him nor does the son seem to have revealed him to any other than the apostles whom he set forth to preach that of course which he revealed to them now what that was which they preached in other words what it was which christ revealed to them can as i must here likewise prescribe properly be proved in no other way than by those very churches which the apostles founded in person by declaring the gospel to them directly themselves both viva vos as the phrase is and subsequently by their epistles if then these things are so it is in the same degree manifest that all doctrine which agrees with the apostolic churches those moulds and original sources of the faith must be reckoned for truth as undoubtedly containing that which the said churches received from the apostles the apostles from christ christ from god whereas all doctrine must be prejudged as false which savours of contrariety to the truth of the churches and apostles of christ and god it remains then that we demonstrate whether this doctrine of ours of which we have now given the rule has its origin in the tradition of the apostles and whether all other doctrines do not ipso facto proceed from falsehood we hold communion with the apostolic churches because our doctrine is in no respect different from theirs this is our witness of truth but inasmuch as the proof is so near at hand that if it were at once produced there would be nothing left to be dealt with let us give way for a while to the opposite side if they think that they can find some means of invalidating this rule just as if no proof were forthcoming from us they usually tell us that the apostles did not know all things but herein they are impelled by the same madness whereby they turn round to the very opposite point and declare that the apostles certainly knew all things but did not deliver all things to all persons in either case exposing christ to blame for having sent forth apostles who had either too much ignorance or too little simplicity what man then of sound mind can possibly suppose that they were ignorant of anything whom the lord ordained to be masters or teachers keeping them as he did inseparable from himself in their attendance in their discipleship in their society to whom when they were alone he used to expound all things which were obscure telling them that to them it was given to know those mysteries which it was not permitted the people to understand was anything withheld from the knowledge of peter who is called the rock on which the church should be built who also obtained the keys of the kingdom of heaven with the power of loosing and binding in heaven and on earth was anything again concealed from john the lord's most beloved disciple who used to lean on his breast to whom alone the lord pointed judas out as the traitor whom he commended to mary as a son in his own stead of what could he have meant those to be ignorant to whom he even exhibited his own glory with moses and elias and the father's voice moreover from heaven not as if he thus disapproved of all the rest but because by three witnesses must every word be established after the same fashion too i suppose 
were they ignorant to whom after his resurrection also he vouchsafed as they were journeying together to expound all the scriptures no doubt he had once said i have yet many things to say unto you but ye cannot hear them now but even then he added when he the spirit of truth shall come he will lead you into all truth he thus shows that there was nothing of which they were ignorant to whom he had promised the future attainment of all truth by help of the spirit of truth and assuredly he fulfilled his promise since it is proved in the acts of the apostles that the holy ghost did come down now they who reject that scripture can neither belong to the holy spirit seeing that they cannot acknowledge that the holy ghost has been sent as yet to the disciples nor can they presume to claim to be a church themselves who positively have no means of proving when and with what swaddling clothes this body was established of so much importance is it to them not to have any proofs for the things which they maintain lest along with them there be introduced damaging exposures of those things which they mendaciously devise now with the view of branding the apostles with some mark of ignorance they put forth the case of peter and them that were with him having been rebuked by paul something therefore they say was wanting in them this they allege in order that they may from this construct that other positions of theirs that a fuller knowledge may possibly have afterwards come over the apostles such as fell to the share of paul when he rebuked those who preceded him i may here say to those who reject the acts of the apostles it is first necessary that you shows us who this paul was both what he was before he was an apostle and how he became an apostle so very great is the use which they make of him in respect of other questions also it is true that he tells us himself that he was a persecutor before he became an apostle still this is not enough for any man who examines before he believes since even the lord himself did not bear witness of himself but let them believe without the scriptures if their object is to believe contrary to the scriptures still they should show from the circumstance which they allege of peter's being rebuked by paul that paul added yet another form of the gospel besides that which peter and the rest had previously set forth but the fact is having been converted from a persecutor to a preacher he is introduced as one of the brethren to brethren by brethren to them indeed by men who had put on faith from the apostles hands afterwards as he himself narrates he went up to jerusalem for the purpose of seeing peter because of his office no doubt and by right of a common belief in preaching now they certainly would not have been surprised at his having become a preacher instead of a persecutor if his preaching were of something contrary nor moreover would they have glorified the lord because paul had presented himself as an adversary to him they accordingly even gave him the right hand of fellowship as a sign of their agreement with him and arranged amongst themselves a distribution of office not a diversity of gospel so that they should severally preach not a different gospel but the same to different persons peter to the circumcision paul to the gentiles forasmuch then as peter was rebuked because after he had lived with the gentiles he proceeded to separate himself from their company out of respect for persons 
the fault surely was one of conversation not of preaching for it does not appear from this that any other god than the creator or any other christ than the son of mary or any other hope than the resurrection was by him announced i have not the good fortune or as i must rather say i have not the unenviable task of setting apostles by the ears but inasmuch as our very perverse cavillers obtrude the rebuke in question for the set purpose of bringing the earlier doctrine into suspicion i will put in a defence as it were for peter to the effect that even paul said that he was made all things to all men to the jews a jew to those who were not jews as one who was not a jew that he might gain all therefore it was according to times and persons and causes that they used to censure certain practices which they would not hesitate themselves to pursue in like conformity to the times and persons and causes just as if peter too had censured paul because whilst forbidding circumcision he actually circumcised timothy himself never mind those who pass sentence on apostles it is a happy fact that peter is on the same level with paul in the very glory of martyrdom now although paul was carried away even to the third heaven and was caught up to paradise and heard certain revelations there yet these cannot possibly seem to have qualified him for teaching another doctrine seeing that their very nature was such as to render them communicable to no human being if however that unspeakable mystery did leak out and become known to any man and if any heresy affirms that it does itself follow the same then either paul must be charged with having betrayed the secret or some other man must actually be shown to have been afterwards caught up into paradise who had permission to speak out plainly what paul was not allowed even to mutter but here is as we have said the same madness in their allowing indeed that the apostles were ignorant of nothing and preached not any doctrines which contradicted one another but at the same time insisting that they did not reveal all to all men for that they proclaimed some openly and to all the world whilst they disclosed others only in secret and to a few because paul addressed even this expression to timothy o timothy guard that which is entrusted to thee and again that good thing which was committed unto thee keep what is this deposit is it so secret as to be supposed to characterize a new doctrine or is it a part of that charge of which he says this charge i commit unto thee son timothy and also of the precept of which he says i charge thee in the sight of god who quickeneth all things and before jesus christ who witnessed a good confession under pontius pilate that thou keep this commandment now what is this commandment and what is this charge from the preceding and the succeeding contexts it will be manifest that there is no mysterious hint darkly suggested in this expression about some far-fetched doctrine but that a warning is rather given against receiving any other doctrine than that which timothy had heard from himself as i take it publicly before many witnesses is his phrase now if they refuse to allow that the church is meant by these many witnesses it matters nothing since nothing could have been secret which was produced before many witnesses nor again must the circumstance of his having wished him to commit these 
things to faithful men who should be able to teach others also be construed into a proof of there being some occult gospel for when he says these things he refers to the things of which he is writing at the moment in reference however to occult subjects he would have called them as being absent those things not these things to one who had a joint knowledge of them with himself besides which it must have followed that for the man to whom he committed the ministration of the gospel he would add the injunction that it be not ministered in all places and without respect to persons in accordance with the lord saying not to cast one's pearls before swine nor that which is holy unto dogs openly did the lord speak without any intimation of a hidden mystery he had himself commanded that whatsoever they had heard in darkness and in secret they should declare in the light and on the housetops he had himself foreshown by means of a parable that they should not keep back in secret fruitless of interest a single pound that is one word of his he used himself to tell them that a candle was not usually pushed away under a bushel but placed on a candlestick in order to give light to all who are in the house these things the apostles either neglected or failed to understand if they fulfilled them not by concealing any portion of the light that is of the word of god and the mystery of christ of no man i am quite sure were they afraid neither of jews nor of gentiles in their violence with all the greater freedom then would they certainly preach in the church who held not their tongue in synagogues and public places indeed they would have found it impossible either to convert jews or to bring in gentiles unless they set forth in order that which they would have them believe much less when churches were advanced in the faith would they have withdrawn from them anything for the purpose of committing it separately to some few others although even supposing that among intimate friends so to speak they did hold certain discussions yet it is incredible that these could have been such as to bring in some other rule of faith differing from and contrary to that which they were proclaiming through the catholic churches as if they spoke of one god in the church and another at home and described one substance of christ publicly and another secretly and announced one hope of the resurrection before all men and another before the few although they themselves in their epistles besought men that they would all speak one and the same thing and that there should be no divisions and dissensions in the church seeing that they whether paul or others preached the same things moreover they remembered the words let your communication be yea yea nay nay for whatsoever is more than this cometh of evil so that they were not to handle the gospel in a diversity of treatment since therefore it is incredible that the apostles were either ignorant of the whole scope of the message which they had to declare or failed to make known to all men the entire rule of faith let us see whether while the apostles proclaimed it perhaps simply and fully the churches through their own fault set it forth otherwise than the apostles had done all these suggestions of distrust you may find put forward by the heretics they bear in mind how the churches were rebuked by the apostle o foolish galatians who hath bewitched you and ye did run well who hath hindered you 
and how the epistle actually begins i marvel that ye are so soon removed from him who hath called you as his own in grace to another gospel that they likewise remember what was written to the corinthians that they were yet carnal who required to be fed with milk being as yet unable to bear strong meat who also thought that they knew somewhat whereas they knew not yet anything as they ought to know when they raised the objection that the churches were rebuked let them suppose that they were also corrected let them also remember those churches concerning whose faith and knowledge and conversation the apostle rejoices and give thanks to god which nevertheless even at this day unite with those which were rebuked in the privileges of one and the same institution grant then that all have erred that the apostle was mistaken in giving his testimony that the holy ghost had no such respect to any one church as to lead it into truth although sent with this view by christ and for this asked of the father that he might be the teacher of truth grant also that he the steward of god the vicar of christ neglected his office permitting the churches for a time to understand differently and to believe differently what he himself was preaching by the apostles is it likely that so many churches and they so great should have gone astray into one and the same faith no casualty distributed among many men issues in one and the same result error of doctrine in the churches must necessarily have produced various issues when however that which is deposited among many is found to be one and the same it is not the result of error but of tradition can any one then be reckless enough to say that they were in error who handed on the tradition end of prescription against heretics part one by tertullian read by david ronald